Hey, greetings, friends. It's Keith Billick here with another episode of the Picky Fingers Banjo Podcast. You are stuck with me today. No guest. It's going to be an instructional episode, which I hope you will enjoy and get some valuable information out of. But before we do that, I could not go any further without thanking our Patreon supporter of the show today. That is William Thompson, a Hall of Honor Patreon supporter. So William, thank you so much for your support. It means a lot to me and really does help keep the show going. Head over to patreon.com slash banjo podcast to support the show yourself. And actually today, Uh, As you will hear about, you will have more than one reason to head over to the Patreon site. That is where you can also download the accompanying tab sheet for all the examples that I'll be playing in this episode. So once again, patreon.com slash banjo podcast. And thank you to today's supporter, William Thompson. It's also not too late to head over to banjopodcast.com to pick up your world-famous official Picky Fingers logo t-shirts and stickers. You can still get those in time to look your best and sound your best, whether you are picking with your friends, performing on stage, or if you're just out on the town and want to be the envy of all your friends and neighbors. Once again, go to Banjo Podcast, check out those t-shirts and stickers. You can also email the show if you need me to send you the link of how to download today's tab sheets, or if you just have any questions, comments, complaints, or concerns, head over, or you don't head over, email pickyfingersbanjopodcast at gmail.com. That's how you get a hold of the show here, and I'm happy to uh, help you out. If there's something in this episode or any episode that I didn't quite explain properly, that's definitely a possibility. Uh, shoot me an email and we'll get it figured out. So let's talk about today's episode. I already mentioned that there is a tablature sheet that you're going to want to download and follow along. The topic is pentatonic power. I'll be teaching you how to figure out both major and minor pentatonic scales, how to play them in both melodic and closed positions on your banjo and potential uses for them. It's a great topic and just a really useful framework all the way around. And I hope you will see why. So Let's get on with it. Here is the episode on pentatonic power. Folks, it is now time to talk about Excuse me. I get a little carried away talking about this exciting stuff, especially on the banjo. So the first question you might be asking is, what is a pentatonic scale? Now that is easy. As its name suggests, a pentatonic scale is any scale 
made up of five notes. Now, the pentatonic scale that we will be talking about is the major pentatonic scale because that is the most common one that we come across and therefore the most useful for banjo players or anybody who's playing in a bluegrass, a folk, a rock, or blues context. And most of the time when you're reading things online or, or just, uh, you know, learning about music, if somebody says the pentatonic scale, this is what they're talking about. Now, the pentatonic scale is extremely common. You have heard it a million times before. You are familiar with it. It's extremely common in fiddle tunes, especially the ones that are the more uh, old-time originating fiddle tunes are very highly pentatonic often. And the one that comes immediately to mind is the 8th of January. you Flectones fans might recognize this little melody from the end of their Far East medley. Other quintessentially pentatonic melodies that come to my mind would be something like this, one of the most recognizable melodies out there. of you know that I used to play guitars in a Pink Floyd tribute band, so maybe you'll recognize a pentatonic melody such as this. And so on and so forth. So the, the point I'm trying to make is that these pentatonic melodies are everywhere. You've heard them a million times. And so it's important to both recognize when you're hearing that type of melody and also be able to emulate it when that's the sound that you want to go for. And although tons of musicians have used this over the years, I always associate pentatonics on the banjo with the playing of Bill Keith. He made great use of this scale, and I, I got to spend a little time with him, not, not too much, but I, I heard him many times extol the virtues of learning the pentatonic scale, and he looked at it as a gateway for progressing players to have a better understanding of the fingerboard and to make some strides in their playing. So once again, I always think about Bill Keith when I talk about pentatonics, so maybe a good time to revisit some of his playing as well. So now that we've listened to a few things and have it in our ears of what the pentatonic scale sounds like, how do we actually construct this scale when we are playing music? So we're going to start with our good old friend, the major scale. 
and that's a G major scale for anybody trying to play along. Uh, the, the pentatonic scale is just a variation on that. In fact, it's a simpler version of that. What we are going to do is we are removing the fourth and seventh degrees from a major scale. So the, the fourth degree, that's a C note, and then the seventh, the F sharp note. We're removing both of those from the G major scale. So I'll play the full major scale one more time. And here's the pentatonic scale. Now, of course, it's great to have this kind of musical knowledge, but it's only as good as its usefulness. So what is the pentatonic scale used for? And why is it so important? Well, in, in my opinion, and I am not a music theory scholar or anything, but for, from my perspective, the pentatonic scale is a very safe, and I'm going to use that word a few different times, a, a safe, and I'll, I'll kind of explain what I mean by that. But it's a consonant sound as opposed to dissonant sounds. It's a very consonant sound. It produces very singable melodies. As you've, as you've already heard, something like Amazing Grace uh, is, is something that's just ha has an immediate accessibility. Uh, so in terms of composing, you can use it to have a very ear-friendly, folksy, comforting type of quality. Again, a, a safe, sing-songy kind of melody. When you are lear learning tunes by ear, if you're learning especially something, like I said, of uh, uh, like an old-time-based fiddle tune, if the fiddle tune you're learning has that pentatonic type of sound, all of a sudden your note choices just went from a lot more to only five notes to, to choose from. And that's really going to help guide your ear where to go. In terms of improvising, I will, I will use the word again. It's a very safe scale. It's difficult, if not impossible, to play a wrong note if you are properly using the correct pentatonic scale for the key and the chord changes that you're dealing with. Okay, the next thing would be, well, why does this work? How is there possibly a scale that makes it so I can't play a wrong note? Well, once again, I am not a music theory professor, and I encourage those of you who are to email me if you have further insight on this. But here is my understanding, and I think it makes a lot of sense. When we are talking about normal diatonic chord progressions, which is the, the vast majority of what we deal with. It's not 100%. The major chord is going to have one of three functions in your chord progression. It's going to be the one chord, the four chord, or the five chord. Our good old friends, the one, four, and five chords. Now, the really cool thing comes into play when we consider that the pentatonic scale for any one chord works in the key signature of the song regardless of whether that major chord is the one, the four, or the five chord. I'll explain that. I know that might have been a little confusing. Let's take, for example, a C major chord and the C pentatonic scale associated with it as an example. Remember the formula. We are taking the major scale and removing the fourth and seventh degrees. So in the key of C, that fourth and seventh degrees are the notes F and B. So if C is our one chord, our pentatonic scale obviously works because all of the notes are found in the C major scale. We started with the C major scale and took out notes. 
So that part isn't too complicated, that the C pentatonic works for C being the one chord. Now the real cool part happens when let's go to C serving as the four chord. That means we're in the key of G, because when you're in the key of G, the four chord is C. Now, in the key of G, the G major scale contains an F sharp note, whereas the full ma C major scale has an F natural. Now, that would normally clash. If you played a C major scale in something the, in the key of G, that F note many times would be perceived as a wrong note. But because we rem the F note is one of the notes that we removed to arrive at the C pentatonic scale, now, every note of the C pentatonic scale is still found in the G major scale, so no clashing. Let's go on and make C serve as the five chord of a progression. This means we're in the key of F. So when you're playing a song in the key of F, your five chord is a C major chord. Now, the key of F usually has a B flat note in the key signature, whereas the C major scale has a B natural. But once again, we've removed the B natural from the C major scale to arrive at the C pentatonic scale, which now has no clashing notes in the key of F. I hope this all makes sense. Please email me if it doesn't. I don't want to go too fast. But the bottom line is that regardless of the function of the major chord, the C major chord in this instance, the pentatonic scale is a safe approach for improvising without much fear of hitting a wrong note. So I think that is a main reason why this works so well. Another reason I can think of is that the notes that we remove from the major scale, again, the fourth and the seventh, are the notes that happen to be a half step away from chord tones in that key. So keeping with C, we removed a B note, which is a half step away from the C, and the F note is a half step from E, which is another chord tone of the C major chord. So, a little less likely to clash with something that a band member might be playing. And as a special bonus, every major pentatonic scale you learn is also a minor pentatonic scale. It's kind of a, a music theory BOGO deal. I'll explain more in a few minutes, but those of you who do have a little music theory knowledge, the major pentatonic scale is also the pentatonic scale of the relative minor key. And once again, we will discuss that shortly. So let's get into some playing and actually learn how to play this stuff. Uh, once more, a reminder, I'm going to, from here on in, I'm going to be working off of the tab sheet. So the way you get that tab sheet is to go to the Patreon site, which is patreon.com slash banjo podcast. You do not need to be a Patreon subscriber to access this. It will be a public post, but I will have that uh, episode 119 tab sheet posted for everyone to download. If it's easier, just email me at pickyfingersbanjopodcast at gmail.com and I will send you a link to that tab sheet. 
So make sure you have that in front of you uh, before we get started here. So let's get into it. The first thing we have is learning how to play pentatonic scales in several different keys using the melodic style. Now, I think pentatonic scales sound great uh, in melodic style because of how fiddlistic they can sound. I already mentioned a few times about how many of our favorite fiddle tunes use either exclusively or a lot of the pentatonic scale to make the melodies. Uh, and also because of the nature of the scale, the ringing out open notes never seem to clash quite as much with what you're playing. And on top of that, the fact that there are only five notes per octave means that once you get these up to speed, you can use the open strings to move up and down the neck pretty quickly, and it adds a little bit of a, an acrobatic kind of feel to your playing, which, you know, is always fun, of course. A few other last-minute notes. I am going to be using my old trusty friend Band in a Box to play some backing tracks for me. I think it really helps hear the root chord and the harmony to give a full feel for how these scales are sounding over the chords that you're playing them. And then another note, at some points in this tab sheet, you will see two notes shown as if they're to be played simultaneously. These are actually just alternate note choices for the same note. And depending on your musical situation or just what you, you think is easiest, you can choose one of those or the others. They represent the same pitch. No need to try to play them both at the same time. Uh, so that's that. Let's start with the first example, the B-flat melodic pentatonic scale. Now, I will, I'll play the exercise for you, but I want you to notice that it has three sections. So first, I'm playing a shorter sequence, and then back down descending all the way back to the low D string. You can consider this the easy version of the B-flat pentatonic. And then... I take it a little further and then all the way back down. So you can consider this the intermediate version of the B-flat melodic pentatonic scale. And then finally, I take it way up the neck. This is the advanced version. Now, many of you might be thinking, why do I need to know the B-flat major pentatonic scale in open position? If I'm playing a song in B-flat, I just put a capo on the third fret and play it out of the G shape. Now, that's a good point, but remember when I said you're learning not only the major pentatonic scale, but also the relative minor pentatonic scale at the same time? So let me explain this a little better. The relative minor of any major key is three half steps down from that major key. So in B flat major, the relative minor is G minor. So this B flat scale that we've just learned is also the G minor pentatonic scale, which is great to use when you want a more minor or bluesy type of sound. And because we play a lot in open G and a lot of bluegrass calls for bluesy or minor sounding stuff, listen here to the same B-flat pentatonic scale, but played over a backing G chord. Notice how it has gone from the 
safe, comforting major pentatonic to the bluesier sound of the minor pentatonic. Pretty cool, right? Did you all hear the difference? So let's go through the rest of these. Now notice also, I, I did these in a particular order for a reason. Notice that when we go through these in the order of the circle of fifths, there's only a one note difference going from one pentatonic scale to the next. This is important because think about it like this. In a typical 1-4-5 song, if you use pentatonic scales for each of the changes, you will only ever be one note away from the pentatonic scale of the one chord. So the beauty really is in the simplicity here. And even though this tablature might look a little intimidating, if you keep in mind that going from one to the next only involves a one note change, that might help uh, make it a little less uh, scary to conquer here. So let's go now to the examples of the F pentatonic scale, or as the tab sheet indicates, this is also the D minor pentatonic scale, again in three segments in increasing difficulty and range, and uh, with our good old friend the Band in the Box backing track. And now we have the examples of the C major pentatonic, also known as the A minor pentatonic scales. And now the G examples, also known as the E minor pentatonic scale. And finally, the examples in D major slash B minor. Now for this one, notice that the G note is no longer part of the pentatonic scale. And that really limits what we're able to do melodically because of the open strings. And at this point, it would functionally transition to a more closed position type of shape, which is what we'll be covering next. <laughs> Okay, so to wrap up this melodic style, before we move on, I want to draw your attention to the fact that even though we hardly ever play in the key of B-flat without a capo, and oftentimes might not even play in F without a capo, notice how not very scary these pentatonic scales are for those keys. It's kind of the subject of jokes that the banjo player can only play in G, but from my perspective, I think that the B-flat, F, and C scales are just as easy as the G pentatonic scale. So, if you find yourself using a capo for songs in the key of F, I'd encourage you to explore using these shapes to get a little more comfortable. A song that comes to mind that is a, a great one to mess around with is the Bluegrass Album Band's version of Chalk Up Another One. Now you should get a little different broken heart 
so smart I never even had the chance And now my life is lost Once more you've had your fun And you don't care how much it costs Chalk up another one Another broken heart Chalk up another one A heart you tore apart You picked me for a fool, my dear How well I played the part Chalk up another one Another broken Now, if I was improvising around on that chord progression using only our melodic style pentatonic shapes for each of those chords, here's what something like that might sound like. And this this won't be the best solo ever, but you can hear how the pentatonic scales work over that progression to make a just a good, friendly sounding passage of notes. So like I said, that wasn't the most brilliant solo you've ever heard, but hopefully you can hear how those changes relate to the pentatonic scales that we're using and how that was a pretty safe way of getting some pretty sounding tones without wrong notes. And you can hear the changes happen within those scales as we follow along in the song. So Maybe next time you have to play in the key of F, don't be afraid to play it out of open tuning like that and try to incorporate some of these melodic style ideas. Hey folks, just need to take a quick break to tell you all about my good friends up in Lansing, Michigan at Elderly Instruments. Now you might be thinking that with Elderly's amazing selection and their fast worldwide shipping that they are some big box conglomerate store But no, Elderly has been family-owned since 1972, and they pride themselves on giving you the customer service and personal touch that only a mom-and-pop store can give you. So the next time you need anything for your banjo, guitar, violin, mandolin, any stringed instruments, accessories, instructional materials, and I'm talking about whether you're looking for a beginner instrument or even a high-end, vintage, hard-to-find item, Elderly's going to have you covered. It's my first place that I go. So check them out at elderly.com. And don't forget to let them know that the Piggy Fingers Banjo Podcast sent you. This podcast is also brought to you by Peghead Nation, a site that brings you streaming video courses in banjo, guitar, mandolin, fiddle, dobro, upright bass, and ukulele. You can learn bluegrass, old time, and plenty of other roots music styles from some of the most talented players and instructors in the world. Now, some of what Peghead Nation offers is a great lineup, of course, of banjo instruction. Check out these courses. Beginning Banjo with Bill Evans, Bluegrass Banjo with Bill Evans, Clawhammer Banjo with Evie Layden, Wade Ward-style Banjo with Bruce Molsky, The Banjo According to Danny Barnes, and Contemporary Bluegrass Banjo with Wes Corbett. Now, regardless of what course you choose, you're going to get high-quality multi-angle video lessons, downloadable notation and tab, play-along tracks, and plenty of tunes to play. 
Now, perhaps the best part of all this is that just by being a Picky Fingers podcast listener, you are going to get your first month free. Just go to pegheadnation.com and use the promo code PICKYFINGERS at checkout. That's PICKYFINGERS, all lowercase, all one word, over at pegheadnation.com. Picky Fingers Banjo Podcast is proud to welcome a brand new sponsor, Sullivan Banjos. The Sullivan family has been in the banjo making business for decades and have earned their reputation for the highest quality in materials and craftsmanship. Perhaps the best part is you get the big time Sullivan tone while getting the personal customer service of a small boutique banjo custom shop. Chances are that if you can dream it, Eric Sullivan can build it. My main banjo is proof. I've been playing and loving my Sullivan custom banjo since 2004, and it just keeps getting better and better every day. So hop online and go to sullivanbanjos.com, email them at sullivanbanjo at gmail.com, or get a hold of them the old-fashioned way. Pick up the phone and dial 502-365-5022. And don't forget to tell them that Keith from the Picky Fingers podcast sent you. Okay, now we're moving on from the melodic style to these closed shapes, which are handy because they don't rely on open strings and you can completely move them into any key that you want. Uh, now, there are five main closed shapes, which I have creatively named closed shapes one through five on the tab sheet. So we're at the top of page three on that tab sheet now. You should practice these one at a time before moving on to the next shape but I will demonstrate all the shapes going up the neck in the key of G, starting at the top of page three of your tab sheet here. So try to play each of those slowly until you can really get them under your fingers. A great song that I have found to practice these shapes is Don't Let Your Deal Go Down. Oh, I've been all around this whole wide world, been down in sunny Alabama. I'm Now, the reason this is a great song to use to practice these closed position pentatonic shapes is because the chord progression of the song moves through four different chords going in the circle of fourths. The progression is D, G, C, F. So, a great way to practice this is to play pentatonic scales for each of these four chords, but staying in one position on the neck. This requires some pretty good knowledge of how to find your root note on the neck, which is also an important skill, but also beyond the scope of this podcast. So how do we approach this? Let's start down the neck. And the first pentatonic scale, because the first chord of the progression that we need to find, 
is the D pentatonic scale. And as you can see from this tab sheet, the we are using the closed shape three for the D position down the neck. And then the chord change goes to G, for which we are using closed shape number one. The next chord in the progression is C, for which we will use closed shape four. We're at the top of page four of the tab sheet now. And then finally resolves to F, for which we are using closed shape two. So as you've noticed, I am playing pentatonic scales in closed shapes for four different chords, all without moving my fingers from the two to fifth uh, fret range on my banjo neck. So let's hear how it sounds going through that whole progression. Now, once again, I'll point out that notice that we are only changing one note of each pentatonic scale going from one to the next. So really try to hear how that one note change allows it to fit each chord of the progression. Let's move on to the next position on the neck. So this is going to be roughly the fourth through seventh frets. And let's go ahead and play the D shape. the G shape, the C shape, and finally the F shape. So for each position shift on the neck, we should be able to find a closed pentatonic shape for all four of those chords so that we don't really even have to move our hands this is going to really get you used to switching between these different shapes on the fly. It'll let you get to know your fingerboard a lot better and hopefully introduce some new ideas for your improvising. So now let's hear this second position over the backing chords, except what I'm going to do now is as soon as I'm done with that second position exercise on the tab sheet, I'm going to move immediately to that next position up where we are doing the same thing except with slightly different closed shapes for each scale. So let's hear how that sounds. And at that point, we are back to an octave above where we started. So I hope you all see how that is working and can, can hear how those pentatonic scales work over those chord progressions to make just a really pleasing, again, safe 
kind of sound. So that has reached the end of the tab sheet and the exercises. And it is important to notice that these are just exercises. These are not supposed to be the end product of what you're going to play. These are meant to introduce you to the concepts of the pentatonic scale, introduce you to how the pentatonic scale sounds over different chords, and just get you open to the idea of using them and using the scales to create your own ideas and melodies. And I would recommend when you get far enough along, combine the concepts of the melodic style and the closed position shapes, and that will really open up your playing quite a bit. It's something that I still work on quite often and find that it really helps me. So I hope it helps you too. And I also hope that I have explained all of this in any kind of sensible way. If for some reason I have not, don't hesitate to reach out to me at pickyfingersbanjopodcast at gmail.com. This would also be a great topic to discuss on the Picky Fingers Listeners, Fans, and Friends Facebook group. So if you find yourself with questions about pentatonics or a correction of something I may have uh, misspoke about or gotten completely wrong, just post it on there and we can have a uh, good nerdy banjo discussion about it. folks that's gonna do it for this episode of the picky fingers banjo podcast the song clips you heard in this one were 8th of january by eric weisberg far east medley by bela fleck and the flecktones the brown county breakdown by kenny baker chalk up another one by the bluegrass album band and don't let your deal go down by flat and scruggs thank you once again to today's patreon supporter of the show that is william thompson head over to patreon.com slash banjo podcast to support the show yourself or download that tab sheet if you haven't already. Email the show at pickyfingersbanjopodcast at gmail.com. That is going to do it for me. I'll see you all next time.